Welcome to the Locking Castle Church podcast. This Sunday morning teaching was given as part of the Spirit-Led Summer series. So this is the first in a series um, called Spirit-Led Summer. So Andy, in his wisdom, thought it would be a good idea to, first of all, let us choose a passage, but very much listening to God and what God is saying about what passage um, would be good for our church and um, and then just to not actually write the talk but just to kind of it feels like winging it <laughs> um, but not necessarily to prepare too much but to very much let the spirit impact the talk so I have um, chosen as you can see some verses and then it's just been humongously stressful and terrifying I couldn't tell you which is the worst but it just feels horrible not having something I can read and um, stand here and know what's going to happen. But basically, the theme is unity, and we felt that was a really important word for this church. Um, especially after the times that we've had, it can be easy just to look at week on week, and when it's good sometimes just to stop and look back and think, okay, so we got through a pandemic, and we've got through various things, and a change of leadership, and we are here today, and we're the same church, but slightly different. And we've still got to discover the unity that we have as a church, the things that are absolutely at our core as a church family. So unity just seemed to me the word that I felt, and affirmed by a few other people as well, that they felt that was a theme that we could go with today. Um, so the first, the first passage that we had um, from Psalm 133, talking about Mount Hermon and Aaron's bo- um, boil. <laughs> that was oil and burn mixed up together. <laughs> That's not in the Bible. Thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, so the oil running down over Aaron's beard. And um, it's just an abundant picture, isn't it? And, but I was intrigued when I looked at it. I thought, so what is it about Mount Hermon particularly? It also mentions Mount Zion, and that one feels a little bit more obvious. Um, but when I looked into it, the um, Mount Hermon is one that is in the north of the country. It's very tall. I never realized that they had snow-capped mountains um, in that part of the region. And the ice caps, when they thaw, provided a lot of the water for the River Jordan, which is such an amazing river, isn't it? It's so central throughout the Bible. So that sense of refreshment, um, and so often we think about the Holy Spirit in terms of water, um, that symbol um, is a helpful symbol. But also oil is another symbol of the Holy Spirit. So this whole thing is, is about the abundance and the one's just gone okay um and just those two symbols have been compared with the pleasantness of unity among us all so it's a really unity is central throughout the bible it really is important um we share unity with god he is in us we are in him so just the very fact of us sharing that one thing in common everybody in the room a believer in christ is in Christ, so we have the biggest thing we could ever imagine in our lives, or bigger even, we have that in common. And compared to that, finding out we've got a birthday in the same month is really minor, isn't it? But I think as well, if God 
loves us all, and he does, and not just believers, he loves everybody in the world. And from that love, he gives us enough love that we should be outpouring love to everybody else. God has shown us that we are all lovable, that everybody, no matter what they've done, where they've been, who they are, is lovable. If God can do it, he's asking us to do it too. So we have that in unity, the being lovable, and the gift that he gives us as Christians to love others. But there's also some practical reasons why unity is important. There's the collaboration and cooperation. Being in an ecumenical church, we can sometimes take this for granted that we don't think about the divisions between the denominations. But um, it is wonderful when we can work with other churches. So for example, the Youth Hub is uh, one example there. There's strength and resilience in unity. And a picture of that for me is the Roman soldiers and the, the way they used to do, I think they called it a turtle when they used to lock their shields and that gave them additional strength. They were shoulder to shoulder and they were a real defensive force being able to lock their shields. So you get strength and resilience in that uniting together. More importantly than that, the witness to the world. When people see churches uh, having different messages or arguing or not being kind to one another, then it just breaks God's heart. I'm convinced of it. Jesus, in his last words in John 17, uh, some of his final words, he prayed for his own glory and for his disciples, and then he prayed for everybody else, and that's us. And he said uh, that all of them, all of us, may be one father just as you are in me and i am in you may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me and when we demonstrate unity love and cooperation it really reflects the transformative power of christ in us and the power of the gospel too makes it much more attractive than us worrying about our denominational differences um, and an example of that would be CAP, um, the CAP money course. Um, it's always been a blessing to run it, but it was so special when we were able to work with different churches. Um, some have denominations, our ecumenical church, and just to be able to present that as a united front, that we're working together absolutely on the same page, mutual respect, understanding, and those people attending the course are then able to see that it really does work, that it's about the faith, the central things in the Bible, not some of the fringe stuff which we might have a change of emphasis on. And a final, very practical uh, reason for unity, effective resource um, use. So it allows for us to be efficient. Um, and a, an example of that would be the redeeming our communities. When, um, during the pandemic, and we were rolling out additional pastoral care, and working our socks off, and then the Redeeming Our Communities wanted to work with us. Um, they used some of our stuff, and we used some of their stuff, their systems, and ways of organizing it. And it meant that more people could be loved and helped. There was people that were really worried about going outside. People were really scared. People were lonely. And it meant that as a team, we could join in a united way with the rest of the churches in Western and deliver more care in the name of Jesus. So there's lots of practical reasons, but I think above all, here we're more interested in the biblical imperative unity. 
And um, I think that, that really comes down to the one that I've just mentioned with Jesus when he says, may the world believe that you have sent me because of their unity. I also think about um, the picture of the body and how that works. If we're pulling in different directions, if we're supposed to be one body, we're just going to not really go anywhere, are we? We need to coordinate our works together, and that takes love and understanding with each other. And, um, And even take that a step further, if you think of the church as the bride of Christ, we have to find a way of presenting that body, that bride, as a beautifully dressed, perfectly immaculate, well-presented bride, not one that's like trying to go up the aisle, down the aisle, not in the aisle at all. We do need to, <laughs> we do need to pull our act together a little bit, I think. Okay, and um, if I can just say, as always with this, when I think of what unity looks like, and then I think about my own part, what do I do? I kind of despair, but God's got it. God has got it. In Acts, we saw a really lovely description of what unity can look like, um, particularly in the church, but around the church as well. So they ate together, they prayed together, they loved the word. They didn't just do this once a month or once a week. They were every single day. They were in the word, they were going to the temple daily, and then they were going back home because in the temple, in the synagogue, they would be mixing with Jewish people and worshipping the same God. But then they would be withdrawing back to their own homes and going from house to house, sharing meals and breaking bread. And because that was not part of the Jewish faith, that was just what Jesus had initiated with them. And so they did that separately from the temple worship. But even so, every day was a, a temple day, a worship day, and they broke bread and shared the Lord's Supper. And just on that point, um, I find it remarkable that these were people that there is no way they could have forgotten what Jesus did for them on the cross. It was so recent. It was so part of their lives already. It was part of what they knew. It was massive. There is no way they could forget it. So why did they need to do that breaking and bread in remembrance of something they couldn't possibly forget? But they kind of inaugurated it so that we today can share that same ritual of bread and wine and keep that um, ritual going in memory of Jesus and what he did for us. Because of their constant practice, it was able to just keep going for thousands and thousands of years. There's very few, few things that have got, have stayed exactly the same over so long a time. It wasn't just how they dealt with each other. It was very much how they dealt with other people. So they pooled all their resources. Now, they didn't have to. There is plenty in the laws about tithing and giving. But in this instance, some of them were actually just bringing everything, selling their homes, their their land, all their property. Now, that is not something that we're called to do necessarily. That would be an individual call if that was placed on you. But at the same time, they just felt that they wanted to because they were in that place of obedience to God and um, they were just ready to part with the things. What they had as a group, the unity, was of more uh, value to them than the property or the houses that they had. 
And that, that is a real challenge, isn't it? And I think in these times, especially when uh, cost of living is high and things can be difficult, I think it's really important that we do constantly review what we do give to the church. And I would say this goes in both directions, that sometimes we can find, actually, I can give a little more because I know there's some people that can't. But equally, there are times when our circumstances change and it's absolutely fine and proper that we then reduce giving because um, we have to manage our, what we do have properly. So nobody is to be made poor in this. And I think that was part of the, um, the working behind the people in Acts, the apostles and the disciples here, is that by pooling what they had, nobody was going to go without. But also nobody was going to have so much that they need feel they were different or special in God's eyes because they had an abundance of wealth. So it does things to us spiritually when we share our material things. So, um, yes, if you've not reviewed your giving recently, then please let me encourage you to hear God on what he thinks is good for you. There's, they were doing signs and wonders. They were adding to the church. And um, this wasn't just business as normal. The people around them watching this happen were in awe. There was a lingering sense of awe about this buzz that was going on in the church. Wouldn't it be great if out in Locking Castle on the streets there was a, a sense of awe about what goes on in Locking Castle Church, not just on Sundays, but throughout the week? That is what we want to be, isn't it? A beacon that stands out for all sorts of goodness, particularly unity, but also the charity, the prayer, and the peace that we get from knowing God. So, we know what unity looks like, we know it's important, but how easy is it actually to, to do all that all the time? Now, I struggle, and I'm fairly sure I'm not the only one, but I might be. Um, and the problem kind of boils down into two different uh, perspectives. It might be that I feel I'm the problem because I'm not good enough, I'm not uh, Christian enough, I'm, not, I'm too broken a person. There could be all sorts of reasons that we think that I'm not the person to serve God in a way that promotes unity. The other perspective of that is, of course, that we think that other people are the problem and we can't get over what's wrong with them. And that is where we get stuck. But we know that God knows us. He knows every hair on our head. There is no bit of us, flaw or good bit, that he is not fully aware of. And yet we know he uses people who are flawed to do his work here. And um, it is pretty obvious there is nobody that hasn't got some flaw, excuse me saying this, but there is nobody that hasn't got some weakness or flaw somewhere. And God knows that. He uses imperfect people because that is the only kind of people there are. There are not enough perfect people for him to have a ministry here on earth, if any. Jesus, I think, was the only one. So what can we do about that? It's hard, isn't it? All we can do is ask God to fill us again with his Holy Spirit. But also I think it helps in our mindset. There's something about the words of Jesus on the cross when he said, it is finished. He didn't say, well, that's goodish, good enough. He said, it is finished. That means mission 100% fully accomplished. And um, I think... As part of that, we need to remember that um, 
we are called into participation with Jesus, with the work in the world. And this is really put well by 2 Peter in chapter 1, 3 and 4. Peter, I love Peter, he had his flaws. They were really obvious, weren't they? But he's so changed as well, and that gives us hope. But in um, verses 3 and 4, he said, His divine power has given us everything we need, everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So we have everything we need. And through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Well, if that's not a call to get over what we see as somebody else's flaws, and even to get over our own flaws, and just get on with mission or serving, whatever that looks like, whether it's serving the coffees as Steve and Jill have done today, whatever part it is you play, then it's all helping in the ministry of the church whether it's outside as a, um, a witness to people or in the church, there's a role for some everybody everywhere. And God has given us that power, his divine power, everything that we need. So it's um, one way of putting it is, is our bank account. It was so in the red, and now it's not just balance. He has given us credit, and that means that we're reconciled to God. We're are able and empowered to fulfill our God-given destiny and that includes spreading unity in the church in churches across western and out in the world with those who have yet to meet God so be powerized really powerized some practical things as well it's all about breaking down barriers promoting dialogue and cultivating empathy and understanding so we are called to serve, and if we do those things, we'll be able to do them in a unified way rather than just doing our own little bit and not worrying too much about what, uh, where our boundaries are. I think um, something that Caroline mentioned yesterday in her talk to the ladies was about using a voice, and God has given us a voice to use either as a, to speak out, but it's about communication. We can still communicate what we need to, sometimes by the random acts of kindness or just being aware of what people need and being there to support them. And these ways can also help with unity because it helps strengthen us as one body if we're looking after one another. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, Father God, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Would you empower us to promote and foster unity, to discover it in unlikely places as well as in the obvious? And Father God, would you dwell in us so that we know your delight whenever we try and stand up to your amazing standards? And remind us, Lord, that we are strong and unshakable in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To find out more about Locking Castle Church, please visit our website at lockingcastlechurch.org.